Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. So the actors are on strike now. This, for people who love television, this is getting a little concerning, especially for a guy like me who spends a good portion of his day watching it. But yeah, again, I watch all <laughs> You're watching Tears. Yes. And, I don't uh, think you have to worry about Ted Danson being on strike right King now. King of Queens, two and a half men all lined up right Right. Um, Hollywood writers uh, have been on the picket lines, and now the actors are going to strike with them. Uh, the strike began at midnight last night. It's the first time the actors and writers have been on strike together since 1960. The union president is none other than the nanny, Fran Drescher. That's right, yeah. Uh, she says, it came with great sadness that we came to this crossroads. We had no choice. We are the victims here. We are being victimized by a very greedy entity. Fran noted that the business has uh, been changed by streaming, digital, and AI, and if they don't take a stand, they'll be, quote, in jeopardy of being replaced by machines. Mm. The studio released a statement of their own, or the studios, saying they've made a substantive offer to the actors that included historic pay and residual increases, as well as groundbreaking AI proposals that protect, uh, protect actors' digital likeness. Well, a couple of thoughts on this. First and foremost, brilliant move by the actors to put Fran Drescher as their head because you put her voice in a room. <laughs> they're likely to cave sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but right away, the instinct for most people is to, to look at the stars and say, why would they be striking? Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo for you know Jennifer Lawrence who made $26 million and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And then you look at the millionaires and think, okay, they shouldn't be out or shouldn't have a problem, and they likely don't. But they have to stand by those who didn't make it big, yep. of which there are many. Mm -hmm. um, uh, actors who play bit parts and small roles and don't have things like health care or benefits to go along with what they do yep. and aren't sure where their next job is coming could be out of work just as quickly as they were in it. And then you look at the streaming world and look exactly at what you do, which is watch old shows over and over again. And is Ted Danson getting a serious cut from people streaming Cheers probably not. 20 years ago? Probably not what he's due. Uh, he probably still gets a big chunk when it goes into a network, like when, when a network picks it up and reruns right. it. Then you get those residuals, much like Jerry Seinfeld and others. But you're right, there's a ton of those actors who were sitting around that bar in Cheers who were stand-ins or had one line. Mm -hmm. They don't see a dime. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's obviously the world is changing, and so Hollywood has to try to figure out what they're doing with it because it certainly has changed a lot, even in the last decade. Uh, Kevin Spacey took the witness stand in his sexual assault trial in London, and he teared up as he described how the multiple allegations against him destroyed his career. He said... My world exploded. There was a rush to judgment, and before the first question was asked or answered, I lost my job, my reputation. I lost everything in a matter of days. In denying one of the allegations, Spacey called himself, quote, a big flirt and said that what he did was, quote, in my mind, romantic. Right. Yeah, so I, you know, Kevin Spacey is a gay man, and he uh, obviously was uh, coming on too strong. It's one of the problems when you're the big wig in any situation, especially when you're a stat have status like he does, when it's on a movie set or in a bar, if you're coming on to or you're perceived to be being too much to an underling or somebody, you you uh, it, it looks like you're using your power 
to move things along in your direction. And, right. Uh, that's not good. You got to be very, very delicate. I still believe there's gray, uh, there's white and black, and there's gray in all of this. Bill Cosby, firmly a scumbag. Mm. Harry Weinstein, firmly a scumbag. Mm. I'm not so sure about Kevin Spacey and some others. Did they use their position of influence to take advantage of someone else? And and that that's mm-hmm. where I think you're drawing your gray area. Mm-hmm. I mean, far be it from me to say, you know, keep it all out of the work environment because I married someone from work. Right. But but you were uh, on equal footing. It looked right. like you were her boss. But but not only that. I mean, this this doesn't pose a problem if you keep this out of the workplace, mm-hmm. right? For. For Kevin Spacey. Maybe, but I think there was an issue in a bar. Right. Now, it might have been a co-worker, like another actor, and he was, I guess, uh, getting a little too touchy with him in this bar, and I think that's where some of right. it stems from. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be the first person to have signals crossed in a bar, yeah. but uh, I think where a lot of the problems stem is from when it happens at work, yeah. and, and especially if you have a position of influence. You know how many times I've had to tell Doug Elliott to leave me alone? <laughs> Constant. So handsy. Handsy. Um, Snoop Dogg. I love any story about Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg used to live with a giant cockroach named the Gooch. I said, yeah. Snoop Dogg living with roaches is not a big surprise. Cockroaches, perhaps. He says, he says oh, yeah, the, the Gooch used to live with me in my apartment. I had a roach that we couldn't kill. We tried to kill the thing. When we first moved in, and he wouldn't die, so we called him the Gooch. Right. He just kept getting bigger and bigger. I stayed in that apartment for like six, seven months, <laughs> and it just kept growing. We used to leave food out for him and everything. <laughs> I mean, the problem is with Snoop, the possibility is there that this is all a massive hallucination, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw him on YouTube with that uh, British or Irish uh, talk show host. He's really good. And they have them all on the couch drinking wine and such. Like, Graham, Graham Norton? Graham Norton. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's, yeah. And Snoop got very serious about his marriage. He's been married for like 16 years. How his wife is his backbone and everything to mm. him. I, I don't know that I've ever heard him speak so openly about his personal life. Right. Usually all just a joke and off the cuff. Have you ever heard of the stuff that Snoop did narrating Animal Planet? Yes. You told me about it. It's Absolutely hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And I think it's just him being off the cuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He's so it's great. Him watching animal videos. He's so great. Snakes chasing lizards yeah. and, and narrating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's just everything he does. Well, the fact that he's such best friends with my girlfriend. What's her name? The guy on Sports Illustrated. I don't even remember my girlfriend's name. The older woman. Right. Oh, cooking. oh, Martha. Martha, Martha, of course, Martha. Yeah. I'm so sorry. How could I forget my girl, Martha? <laughs> the fact that you would never expect those two to be so tight. Right. But they have business together, and they're actually, like, really good friends. Yeah. Did shows together. Yeah. Uh, Disney is going to make less Marvel and Star Wars projects, and I say good. <laughs> it's it's a bit much. The, uh, the CEO of Disney says uh, we have to pull back a bit. Uh, we've lost focus. It's also part of a cost containment initiative. 
He said a lot of the former decisions were made to create content for Disney Plus, especially Marvel. And yeah, the, those beasts need feeding. Yeah. New stuff all the time. So. Got a few seconds of a 30 for 30 of those sports documentaries yesterday about, uh, about the rise of the Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm. And re- when they originally, it was Michael Eisen, it was Disney yeah. who uh, who bought the franchise too, right? Yep. And, uh, and started that. And that the marketing power they put behind that with their logo and uh and all of the the theatrics around the arena much like what Vegas is doing now as they really go to the forefront of the league mm. it, Vegas doing it on the ice as well the Ducks didn't have that kind of success early although they did surprise a lot with an early playoff run but it was just very interesting at one point uh, mighty ducks uh, merchandise was outselling everything else in mm. sports like it was the hottest ticket item to get Mighty Ducks stuff. Now you don't even hear about the Anaheim Ducks anymore. Right. They, they must be. I don't know. Are they a miserable team? Or are they? Uh, they've they've had their woes. They've got yeah. some young young talent now, but right. yeah, they've struggled. Never. Yeah, they never kind of come up as a in conversation when you're talking about the NHL, or at least I don't hear them being mentioned. But I don't follow all that much NHL. Um. All right, your uh, your guy, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1, came out on Wednesday, already grossed like $15 million. And uh, so people at Hollywood Reporter decided they were going to rank all seven movies. All right. All right, now this is uh, from 7 to 1. Yes. They say the worst one is Mission Impossible 2 from 2000. Correct. Number 6 is Mission Impossible 3 from 206. I agree. Number 5 is Mission Impossible from 96, so the first one. Dated, yeah, but it was all right. Uh, four and they were trying. Sorry, they were trying to really bring back the original Mission Impossible. Oh, okay. With that. All right. Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol from 2011 is number four. All right. Yeah, there's a lot of that done in Dubai. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, number three. Wow. Fallout number. Okay. Fallout uh, will be above that. Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation number two. Yeah. And Fallout number one. Yeah, those were very good. The two of them very good. Fifteen and eighteen. Really? And this so this run ranks third among them. Yeah. Interesting. So between two thousand fifteen and two thousand eighteen, you must have had your pants down on your knees a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about some gross things we do or don't do in public. For example, do you pick wedgies in public? Uh I have. I mean if you got a wedge, you got a wedge, you gotta get it out of there. Most say they do, but at least try to be discreet about yes, it. Absolutely. I've even done the, uh, when you get the itchy crotch, I've been like in a public place. I'll All right. Kind of, I'll kind of tune the, do the turnaround and shove yeah. the hand down the pants. It's a, it's, it's, if it's an itch that needs scratching. Yeah. Nobody else is going to take care of it. No. Me. Do you ever take phone calls on the toilet? Most of us do. Some say all the time. Wow. It really depends. Again, I don't answer calls that I don't know. If you had depends, you wouldn't have to do it on the toilet. <laughs> um, Not yeah. far off now. <laughs> I've been pricing them out. <laughs> I will avoid at all costs uh, having to speak, in, in, whether certainly in a public bathroom, but even on my, my own throne, I will avoid answering that call. When I worked in sports radio, we had a Raptor player on the line, and I can't remember what player it was. But uh, mid-interview, you could hear him grunt and flush. <laughs> That's what the mute button's for now. Might have even heard the plop. Uh, do you find pimple-popping videos satisfying? Half of us do. No, I think it's disgusting. It's gross. And, you know, I, I always uh, I laugh at Maria because... 
she was an esthetician for many years, and she'd spot like a black head or something on my back. Right. And so she'd she'd get the two thumbs going and pop it out, and she'd get the gag reflex. I go, do you do that to your customers? <laughs> What kind of esthetician are you? She goes, no, just you. You make me sick. Uh, uh, how many times do you wear clothes before washing them? Under half, generally wear clothes once, then wash them. Most say multiple times. Yeah, I'll do the rewear for sure. Uh, jeans and shirts, not T-shirts. Nothing that, like underwear change every day. I'm sockless during the summer. The directly touch the skin stuff you're talking about? Yeah. Jeans I'll wear one pair for a whole week. Right, yeah. Because I wear them to work, and then I take them off when I get home. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Walk, walk around in my gitch. Uh, and have you ever pooped your pants? <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> right now. Half say no, and half of us are liars. <laughs> it's like those who say they never masturbate. You liar. Uh, some did say multiple times, and a few said too many times to count. Right. Oh, yeah. I've had a lot of the sharks. Yes. So I, I will admit to that. Full-out pooping? No, no. I don't think so. If I have, it was like once, but multiple sharks. <laughs> That's the name of my novel. <laughs> my autobiography. <laughs> Say a surgeon said to you, I want to try something new, uh, Lucky. Uh, when I operate on you, I'm going to use my feet. <laughs> what? You'd probably go find a different surgeon. Right, yeah. But it's a real option now. A team in Switzerland built a new type of surgical robot with four arms. Surgeons control two with their hands like normal and the other two with their feet. Okay. Yeah. Now, what, what, what part does that one do? Maybe it's just the, the, you know, the clamps that hold the area open. Maybe. Maybe they can adjust that with their feet. Or if you have a bleeder. <laughs> I don't like the idea that surgeons are now going to be using a robot. I, all, all our bodies have become now are like video games. Right. Well, I mean, there has been a lot of that going on for quite some time and with you know, very good effect. Mm. You know, a lot of heart surgeries now are done with a like through your leg mm -hmm. rather than opening you right up and cracking ribs and stuff. Soon enough, the uh, surgeon will just be on his patio in Turks and Caicos. With a, <laughs> it looks like a, some sort of Game Boy remote. Right, well, they tried that with that uh, submersible. It didn't work very well. So perhaps using the better technologies is what you want to do. Uh, a study found people can actually hear the sound of silence, or at least our brains process it in the same way. What, our, what the work suggests is that nothing is also something you can hear. Well, I mean, like they say, silence is deafening mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you definitely process that there's nothing going on. And do you ever enjoy being bored? Well, as we asked before, are we ever bored? Like when you're kids, you know, when you're a kid, you're bored. I'm bored, Dad. I'm bored, right. Mom. What's there to do? I'm bored. Yeah. But I'm when already you getting that. Adult, drives me nuts. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Well, there's the front door, I would yeah. say. Don't <laughs> use it. Don't let it hit you in the arse on the way out. Figure it out. Um, but if you uh, do enjoy being bored, if you've ever found yourself thinking, come on, this being bored is really good, it might mean you're a highly creative person. A study found creative people tend to enjoy moments of boredom more than others. Mm. Count me as creative, then. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but what have you ever put any of that creativity to? No, nothing. <laughs>
<laughs> couple of minutes here. <laughs> and then back to being bored. Yeah, oh, it's a perfect life. I, I could happily live in the state of boredom. <laughs> I hear it's a lovely state. Yes. Yeah, very sunny in the state of boredom. I'd move there in a second. 94.9 The Rock, GTA's Rock Station. It is uh, Friday morning. Going to be a hot one today. 27 for the high into the uh, 30s with the humidity. So, of course, with that, the possibility of rain and the weekend looks like it's uh, going to be a hit and miss. Good chance of showers on Saturday. Good chance of showers on Sunday. Same for Monday. We don't want this tradition to, uh, or this routine, or this uh, scheduling of rain to continue over the summer. Because then by... Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week, pure sunshine and mid-20s. Right. We want that on the Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. We'll take the rain on the Mondays and Tuesdays. We love talking about weather. And uh, and it makes me feel so old when you when you think about, oh, I remember the summer of, you know, whatever. I can never remember what year it was. Mm. But it was like a summer where every weekend was crap. Like, it was mm-hmm. like this. Like every the, During the week was beautiful and every weekend was crap. You know, yeah, and and it's just such a it's such a conversation talking point uh, when you really don't have anything else to say to someone like talk about the weather. Well, the summertime in particular, because we you know the weekends are precious and the long weekends even more so. And and you know you want to get things done or see family or go golfing or do all those things. And we only have so many weekends in the summer. And by the way, I don't know if this is an age thing or not. I think it is an age thing. Time is just flying by. Like, mm. like in my mind, we're already halfway through the summer. Oh yeah, you know, and and I think it feels like it hasn't even started. As things start to plan up and and, and book up mm-hmm. your your weekends and your holiday plans, you think, my goodness, <laughs> we're just about into. Okay, we're half, almost halfway through July, mm-hmm. but we're already booking stuff into to August. Oh, into and September now. I think, oh, my goodness, this is getting crazy. Yeah. No, I, and I just think in general, I, I find that uh, time seems to be moving much quicker. You know, and I just think that when you're younger and much younger, like your kid's age, the summer seems to go on forever. Everything seems to be forever. And Christmas seems to take forever to get here. And yet I'm already panicking, thinking it's going to happen. <laughs> We're not far off. We're halfway to Christmas, basically. Yeah, just everything seems to speed up. Anyhow. I thought of you the other day because I saw the uh, W Network is bringing their Christmas in July holiday movies. Oh, yeah? Back to the screen. It's beautiful. <laughs> oh, the Venn household. <laughs> the kids saw the promo for it. Like, Why the hell would anyone watch a, a, a Christmas movie in July? <laughs> we'll be in front of it. <laughs> There's actually a Hallmark uh, cruise you can take now where uh, basically it's like on a cruise ship with all sorts of those romantic films and the stars of some of those films and all sorts of themes related around those films. So Marie and I have booked a (laughs) little getaway. Take your swim trunks because you might want to jump halfway through that one. (laughs) Could you imagine? Anyhow, um, oh, actually, I've got a good example. Here's one. Here's a good example of what we're talking about. Tonight, Hallmark's Christmas in July celebration continues with Christmas with a gymnast. He's a tilt-a-whirl ride operator 
with four teeth and a precocious six-year-old son who's doing time in juvie. She's a gorgeous, retired gymnast who can't have a child of her own due to a bad dismount at the 2018 Summer Games. Oh, ouch. Will they meet and find love? Come on, pull your leotard out of your crack. It's Christmas with a gymnast, tonight on the Hallmark Channel. That's my house. That's it. That's my house. Actually, speaking of movies, yesterday, and it's funny with TV and movies now, I so rarely watch movies anymore because normal television on streaming services, all the options, first of all, you get into the character a lot more because you've got like 10 hours or right. 10 episodes. So I, I can't remember... The last time I sat and watched a movie on Prime or Netflix, it's all just streaming shows. But I saw this new Mel Gibson movie on Netflix called On the Line. Okay. Where he plays a overnight uh, radio DJ uh, who just takes calls. Really? Like Ed the Sock, yeah. basically. Um, and it's a suspense thriller. Acting in it is horrible. <laughs> horrible. Might as well be a Hallmark Christmas movie. But the idea and the theme behind it oh. is pretty good. The way it plays out, pretty well, interesting. Uh, Robin Williams had a really good one like that too. It was like the, it was like a twenty-four hour photo type thing, and it was, uh, and he was like a photo developer, I think it was. Oh, and he worked in a like a little photo yeah. map or whatever. Yeah, right. And again, really, really dark. Uh -huh. You wouldn't expect that from Robin Williams. Yeah, it was not one of the last movies he made. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been a, a couple of good uh, radio-type movies. Of course, Clint Eastwood did uh, play Misty for me back in the 70s, where he had this woman who was a listener who turned out to be a psychotic killer, or at least a psychotic killer to him. Spoiler if you haven't seen it. And uh, then, of course, talk radio from the, I want to say, late 80s or early 90s, mm. based on a true story of a, uh, a talk show shock jock out of Texas who was assassinated by a listener. Right. Uh, and that was really well done as well. Hey, don't give him any ideas. <laughs> no, but <laughs> you've seen our ratings. <laughs> Nobody's listening. He's on the line, the godfather of the grill for Halinda's Meats. It's Ted Reader. Good morning, Theodore. Good morning, sweet boys. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy, how do you prepare soap for someone who needs their mouth washed out? Uh, it's, it's, uh, there's a whole process, but, you know, I, I just go get the uh, Lululemon soap, and it's very good. <laughs> Perfect. Well, listen, I, I would assume you're going to hear some naughty language at the Indy this weekend between crew and drivers or things are going south on them during the race. You are catering to four teams there. That must be a lot of prep work and a lot of cooking, Ted. It is. It's uh, it's uh, it's exciting to be uh, to be catering for the crews. Uh, we've got Ed Carpenter Racing, AJ Foyt Racing, Ray Hall Racing, and uh, uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, and uh, we're pre preparing the food for all the crews every day. And there's about uh, 275 people per day, and they're you know uh, a little bit of barbecue pulled pork today, and some grilled chicken. Tomorrow, Sunday, they've got brisket for race day. So we're, we're doing up a little barbecue for them and having some fun. I used to, about 20 years ago when I was a little younger, um, I'm not as smart as I am today, I think. I think, but I'm not sure. You're wiser, uh, I, you're wiser. 
nothing wiser. I used to work for Walker Racing and Patrick Racing, and I would tour around the uh, the North American and Mexican circuits and, and cook for the drivers and the crew of those teams. And I loved racing. So uh, this year, uh, one of the teams gave me a shout and said, hey, you, could you help us out? We're not going to bring our hospitality up. And I said, sure. And then it led from one team to two to three to four. And it's uh, rock and roll time. And I love it. It's exciting. You know, the joint barbecue and catering events, that's what we do. Uh, Ted, do you have to put, like, some special thought into diet for some of these racers? Like, I'm, I'm imagining Scott Dixon's not going to want to pull over mid-race because he had <laughs> some spicy brisket that morning. <laughs> oh, the, dri- the drivers are pretty uh, pretty specific about what they want. Most of them eat the same thing. It's either... Uh, a pasta with red sauce or a pasta with olive oil, a little bit of roasted garlic, and some Parmesan on it. And, but most of them, um, it, it's the same old boring meal. It is steamed broccoli or asparagus or green beans, uh, plain white rice, mm. and plain chicken breasts grilled, no salt, no pepper, no nothing on them. That whole and mostly thing. it. It's that nasty thing, but it's also, you know, when you're in a race car and you're going at 180 miles an hour, uh, the, the, the biggest problem becomes, well, you don't want to be burping and all of a sudden you're tasting a, uh, something barbecue or something else, right? You want to be focused on. So they eat very, very simply uh, for, for when they get in the car, and then it's after the race. Uh, they usually like something a little more exciting, so they like, same thing with salt on it now. Right. Yeah, I, think, I, think, right. I think they'd be going for a lot of carbs and proteins, and, and that's what they need. Yeah. Because I can only imagine, like a day like today, into the 30s and the humidity, it's going to get a tad warm in those cars. Well, that it does. And it's, uh, you know, I could fit in the cockpit of one of those uh, <laughs> those race cars, although... Uh, although once I, I was, uh, a driver took me to Vegas to... Uh, the race car school there, and, and uh, we were driving uh, Formula Ford 2000s open-wheel race cars on uh, the Las Vegas Speedway. Wow. And um, I had to squish my – they had made one car they had that was a wide body for bigger boys. <laughs> and, but I still, I, I still squished my butt in there, and then I realized that the only way I could shift gears was with my pinky because – my fat body was too big to actually get my whole hand around the stick ship. Our Teddy is the life. Our Teddy is like the John Daly of the, uh, the racing circuit. So when we had, they stopped for lunch, we had like an hour break, and they said, "Come on, let's get you, let's pull you out of the car." I'm like, "No, I got to get back to this later." So I sat in the car for an hour and had my lunch. And then I went back out on the track. And, uh, yeah, it was a blast. It was a blast. Uh, it, was, it was a good time. I learned a lot about driving from uh, uh, driver uh, Roberto Moreno. And so he's, uh, yeah, it was a great time. Great time. I love racing, man. And, and I'm excited for the Honda Indy this year. Uh, there's lots of, lots of, lots of good looking cars going to be down there. Yeah, a lot of pretty people too. I heard somewhere along the way that in, um, in the world of, uh, of racing, the most beautiful women, you know, you get, uh, hockey player wives and you get women married to baseball players, football players, this type of thing. But supposedly, the most beautiful women are attracted to the uh, race car driver. Oh, yeah. This is what I Oh, they, they, 
They are, like uh, uh, Adrian Fernandez, who used to drive for Tecate, Quaker State, and Patrick Racing, and that I was his chef. Uh, he married uh, Miss Mexico, mm. and he's pretty, but wow, she's, like, <laughs> outstandingly beautiful. Uh, and so. it, it is. Yeah. I remember Gary O'Frankiti and Ashley Judd. That's right, yeah. And, That's right. And That's right. She would come and, and, and she would walk through the tent and I would just go, wow. <laughs> and it was, it was kind of cool. Yeah, it was, it was, there, there are lots of beauty down at the racetrack, I tell you. But, yeah. you know, the sexiest part of the racetrack, uh, truly is, is the machine itself, yeah. the car. I mean, it, they, they're unbelievable. I bet. Listen, and these Teddy, drivers are incredible. With all that, with all that beauty around you, you'll be pulling your pork for sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, yeah, this show's getting canceled very shortly now. <laughs> All right, Teddy, you play nice, you be safe, and we'll talk to you on Monday. You've got her, boys. Have a super weekend. Everybody, have a delicious weekend out there, and get in your backyards and fire up your grill. All right, Teddy, talk to you soon. Cheers. How, oh, listen, how do they get a hold of you that want to talk grilling? Let's do that. Uh, you're going to find me uh, on social media at Ted Grills. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.